You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. The weapons used in this warfare to defeat Satan. So let me say that again. This becomes our third point. The weapons used to defeat Satan. And listen, gang, this is the very same way we can defeat the devil now in our own personal lives, in our experience with the Lord. Don't make the mistake of thinking that once you're saved, you don't have to worry about the attacks of Satan anymore. He's going to hit you harder than ever. You also need to be careful not to take on a one-man army mindset. You'll find yourself overwhelmed and defeated. In today's message, Pastor Mike will draw out some practical advice from the book of Revelation on how we can stand up and fight against the devil through the power of the Holy Spirit and with the help of our fellow believers. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Revelation chapter 12 as he continues his message, War in Heaven. Where I long to be, oh my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said, you return that I might live in my Father's house. Remember the prophecy concerning how that the Savior would come out of the city of of Bethlehem. And when Herod couldn't figure out exactly, you know, who this new king that was about to be born was, what did he do? He declared that every child under the age of two years should be killed in the city of Bethlehem. And that's exactly what they did. Remember, he sent soldiers. Could you imagine that? Every child under the age of two was slaughtered. It's referred to as the slaughter of the innocents. It's recorded for us in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 2, in verse 16. And put Satan behind this. I'll give you another example. In Luke's Gospel in chapter 4, remember how that the devil infuriated a mob to throw Jesus over a cliff. Sometime during the week, I'd encourage you to, to read that text. Luke's Gospel in chapter 4. Or how about the time that's recorded for us in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 4, which is a part of the temptations of Christ? Remember as Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Spirit, and He was tempted by uh, the devil after uh, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights? And remember, in one of those temptations, the devil encouraged Jesus to throw Himself down off of the pinnacle of the temple. Right? And uh, because it is written... God the Father has given His angels charge over thee. Nothing will stop the devil from seeking to 
kill the male child who is referred to here in our text of Scripture. But the man-child survived every attack of the dragon upon him. He went to the cross, but he did it voluntarily, and died and rose again. And thus he conquered death and the devil, and he ascended back to heaven. And now awaits his return to earth to finish destroying the devil's works altogether and to establish his sovereign reign upon the earth. Okay, so with that said, let's go back to our text. Let's read now verses 7 through 9. And war broke out in heaven. Michael, there you go, one of the archangels, and his angels, a third part of all of the angels, fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. Man, that must have been some battle. Could you imagine that? You know, probably tens of thousands of angels in this. You know, I've talked about this before. You know, there's a battle that's ensuing in the spiritual realm around us, and the battle is for your soul. And if God ever opened our eyes, first of all, I don't, want, I don't even want to know about it. I'll just, uh, you know, take God at his word. It would blow us away. These demon angels who are aligned themselves with the devil, and Michael and his, his angels fighting against them. And the object is for your soul, you see. And where are you going to be spending eternity? And all of this is going on in the spiritual realm around us, you know? And uh, I'm so thankful that, you know, I'm aware of it because of what the Bible teaches about this subject. But I, I'm so glad that, you know, we can't see this warfare that's going on around us. But I, I, I do know that it uh, exists. In verse 8, but they did not prevail, that is, the devil and his angels, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Verse 8. So the great dragon, Satan, was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And then I heard a loud voice saying to heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren, that's the accuser of you, and of, of me, you know, it's at this point where God is just tired of the devil coming before the throne of God and accusing me. Look at your, look at your, your servant, your disciple, Mike Finizio, the senior pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship. He just yelled at his wife. You know, he did this, he, he, he thought an impure thought. Now, I'm just using these fabricated examples, of course. <laughs> I never have an impure thought, and I never yell at my wife. My wife is listening to this broadcast, by the way, so I better say that. But, uh, but he's the accuser of the brethren. And, you know, it, it's sort of like, you know, he, I'm sure that he, he, he must take great joy in being our prosecuting attorney, Right? going before the throne of God and accusing you. He does it day and night. Day and night. That Mike Finizio, he does this, he does that, you know, kind of a thing. And you know what? It's at this point where God is just fed up. And he's no longer giving entrance to be able to stand before him in heaven. Did you know that he actually has access to heaven? And he has actually access before the throne of God. Remember in the book of Job, when the Bible tells us that on a certain occasion the angels of God were presenting themselves uh, before God, and along with the other angels came Satan, 
And uh, remember, uh, God began to brag about his servant Job. Remember, the, uh, the devil was a part of that group that had come before uh, God. So even up until the present time, because this is a prophecy, yet, as of yet, this has not been fulfilled. But at this moment, God is just fed up. And, he, and he, he doesn't allow the devil any longer or any of his angels to have any access in the heavenly realm. And so they're cast out from heaven, and now they are upon the earth. And folks, let me tell you something. Because of this, they're going to take things up a, a notch, you see, because they no longer have that, that access. Who accused them before our God day and night, but now has been cast down. So anyway, <clears throat> this battle ensues in the heavens. Michael, God's warrior angel, who's the commander of uh, and chief of these angels, soundly defeats the devil and his demons, and then he supervises, if you will, the mopping up exercises. Every inch of the aerial and stellar uh, heavens is searched thoroughly to make sure that neither Satan or his demons remain. And so this marks the end of Satan's rule in the air. Have you ever been curious about or wondered about the description that is recorded for us in the Bible, like for example in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2, where there we are told that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. Have you ever been curious about that and what that meant? What that represented? Well, this is exactly what it means. That's exactly what it represents. But now he's kicked out. He doesn't have that position uh, any longer. So this marks the end of Satan's rule in the air. And no longer has he any access in heaven. Okay, let's pick up in verses... Well, I already read verse 10. So let's go on. Verses 11 and 12. And they... Who is they? Well, if you look at it in context, it's the brethren there in verse 10. That would have been you and me. They overcame him, the devil, how? By the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And as I've already mentioned, because of this, he's going to kick things up a bit, uh, his work upon the, uh, the earth. Okay, so, the inhabitants in heaven are rejoicing over Michael's thorough defeat over Satan, who will never be able to cross the threshold of heaven again. But notice there, uh, in verse 10, the word salvation. And this has nothing to do with, like, for example, our personal salvation. The salvation, the word that's being used here, can literally uh, refer to and has to do with the overthrow in context of the enemy, who is the devil, who has had such a grip on creation, who has caused, right from the very beginning of time, such agony, such pain, and suffering. And so therefore, this is the first step towards Christ's establishing his eventual kingdom. Now go back to verse 11, because probably more than anything else, this is the most important part of our text uh, this morning. 
Let's go back to verse 11. Can we read it one more time? And they, and please include yourself in that uh, category, you, Harvest Christian Fellowship, believers, disciples of Christ, notice, they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. Okay, so we need to talk about this. That is, and this becomes our third and final point, the weapons used in this warfare to defeat Satan. So let me say that again. This becomes our third point. The weapons used to defeat Satan. And listen, gang, this is the very same way we can defeat the devil now in our own personal lives, in our experience with the Lord. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. In 2 Corinthians, in chapter 10 and verse 4, we are told that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God through the pulling down of strongholds. Okay? So, they're not carnal weapons. So, what are the weapons that we use to overcome the devil? Well, notice, there's no mention of stealth bombers, armored tanks, stinger missiles, but rather we overcome the devil, first of all, under this heading, by the blood of the precious lamb. You know, there's been a lot written on this subject, the blood of the lamb. You know, it's an inexhaustive study, really, if you think about it, what that implies and what that represents, the blood of the lamb. But more than any of the descriptions uh, used in uh, referring to the blood of the Lamb, I like this one. It has also been referred to as the fortress of saints and angels. I just I love that description of the blood of the Lamb. The fortress of saints and angels. I mean, think about it. It's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that we've been justified, we have been forgiven, we've been made righteous, we have hope, we stand on the side of victory, and it's all because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, shedding His blood. The devil's accusations, remember we've already referred to that? Day and night, the accuser of the brethren, Listen, those accusations now have no veracity. Why? Because we've been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. So that's the first way that we overcome the devil. The second way, so that, you know, basically we just need to position ourselves in Christ. Just simply be covered by the, by the blood. You know what this reminds me of? Remember uh, during the time when God brought the plagues against uh, Egypt? and they slew the lamb, and they took the blood, and they covered the doorposts and the lintels of the homes of of Israel, and then the angel of death passed over. They positioned themselves. They obeyed God. They were covered by the blood of the lamb, which is a picture of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus took all of the pictures of the Old Testament, all of the symbols of the Old Testament, and he personalized them. Don't you? I mean, that's a picture of Jesus Christ. So all God is asking us to do is position ourselves in such a way that we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's pretty easy to do. Right? Think about it. Secondly, 
The second way that these brethren, the way that we overcome the devil, notice, let's go back to our text, there in verse uh, 11, by the word of their testimony. Now, what are we talking about? Are we talking about our own personal testimony? Well, yes and no. I think more than anything else, the key word here is the word. This is a reference to God's word, which is the sword of the Spirit. Remember, our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, right? We are to take the sword of the Spirit out of our sheet, that sharp two-edged sword, and use it aggressively. And those who believe the Word of God, who identify themselves with the Word of God, who testify to the Word of God, you can be assured of victory. Let me give you a couple of practical examples of this. Like I read the Word, and the Bible tells me that, I, and I know this, I've been bought with a price. Now we know that. The Bible tells us that we've been bought with a, a price. Uh, the Bible tells us because of this we are a debtor unto God. And by the way, it's a debt that we can never repay. When you think about what it cost him to purchase us, right? It's a debt that we are unable to, to pay. But nevertheless, he purchased us, right? And then also, the Bible tells us that we are to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the desires and the lusts of the flesh. You know, these are just many uh, these are just some of many of the verses of Scripture. This is how we, how we arm ourselves with the, the Word of God. The Bible tells us, like for example, in the book of Romans in chapter 6, the old man is, is dead. And no longer are we to make any provision uh, for the, the, the old man or the, the flesh. Uh, now if you do all of these things, and these are just a few verses that I've chosen, if we do these things, you know, under this, this heading... The devil can't attack you. There's, there, there's not any area of your life that is vulnerable to the attacks of the devil. So how did they overcome? They overcame by the word of their uh, testimony. Listen, the word will work wonders in the heart and hands of the weakest saint. So, you want to resist the devil? Don't neglect the word of God. Arm yourself with it. Arm yourself with it. You know, of all of the wonderful resources that God has made available to us, I think the most powerful of weapons is the Word of God. So don't blame, you know, uh, don't make excuses for when you're tempted and you fall into sin or anything. You know, take the responsibility of it. And uh, you know how this whole thing works out? Okay, I mean, listen, we're not exempt from being tempted. But when you're tempted, allow God's Holy Spirit. And this is exactly what he does. The Bible tells us when the enemy comes in like a flood, and that, that picture conjures up, in my mind, a temptation. So the enemy comes in like a flood. It's at that moment the Bible goes on to declare that the Spirit of God raises a standard against it. And what is that standard? The Word of God. So at the same time that the temptation comes, and we're actually beginning to entertain it, you know, weigh it against what God's Word tells us, you know, and, and I think that will make the right choice and decision. You know, like, for example, think about all of the promises that God has made for, for those who obey His Word. So it weighs it out. Okay, here's the, the pleasure and sin for a season against, you know, pleasures forevermore. Are you stupid? Make the right choice. 
Pleasure and sin for a season, pleasures forevermore. Hey, listen, your mother didn't raise a fool, did she? Make the right choices. But you've got to arm yourself with the words. You've got to know the word. Because it's then where the Spirit uses the word to remind you about you know, the pleasures forevermore. The, prom- the precious promises that God has made us. So listen, arm yourself with the word of God. How do you arm yourself? Become a student of the word. But listen, there's one other way that they overcame uh, the devil. Lastly, notice, let's go back to verse 11. And what does it say? They love not their lives unto death. Now gang, this is the ultimate demonstration of yielding. The one who yields all to God, if you're yielding yourself completely unto God, you can't lose the battle. How can you lose the battle if you're completely yielded unto God? See, for the sake of the truth, they resigned all that man counts dear. Even their own lives, right? But listen, gang, battles are fought and won. How? By the blood, the word of God, and by surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ. Our part, and I've always, I always say this, God's part far outweighs our part, but nevertheless, there is our part. What is our part? Surrendering. So as we conclude, let me ask you this question. Have you surrendered your life? I mean, truly surrendered. You know, I'm not talking about like 70% of your life or 80% of your life. You're all familiar with that portion of Scripture, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, where it says, present yourself a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know what that's a picture of? That's a picture of the sacrifices that were placed upon the altar and fully consumed. And, uh, you know, this is a problem that some Christians have. Okay, so here's the altar, and we say, Jesus be Lord of all. The Lord Jesus Christ. What does that imply? He's Lord of everything. So I place myself, if you like, upon the altar. I'm surrendering all. And the flame is lit, even as they completely consume the, uh, the sacrifice that was placed upon the altar there in the temple. But all of a sudden, the flames get really hot. And now we're, have, we're having second thoughts. And we squirm ourselves. You know, we're laying on the altar. But now all of a sudden, we have second thoughts. And we start to squirm off it and, you, you know, kind of bail off of that altar, you know? Oh, are we completely and totally surrendered unto the Lord? Hey, listen, you can know God's complete and total victory. You can triumph over the devil. You can triumph over temptation. You can triumph over sin, over the flesh. You don't have to continue to be a casualty. You don't have to continue in bondage. How? Just allowing Jesus to set you free. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be. That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. Did you know that you can listen to Pastor Mike's teachings on your favorite podcast app? Just search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio and be sure to subscribe. And let us know you're a listener in the comments. We'd love for you to join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship too. 
Check harvestnyc.org for service times. You can reserve your seat by clicking on contact and then the register link. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, or if you're unable to attend in person, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time studying God's Word. We're live streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to catch previous Sunday messages, click on the Resources tab. You can also watch services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. One more time, that's harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to ask you to join us in praying for all those listening to Pastor Mike's teachings. Please pray for open hearts and open ears to hear and accept truth. Thanks for praying, and thanks for joining us today. We look forward to our continuing study of Revelation next time, here on In My Father's House. There's a place for